Welcome to Lucia Gabriela TV, the place to be where we come to learn how to master our life, our relationships, and our sexuality. Today, we continue with this amazing conversation and topic, uh, really exploring the deeper what sexual healing is about and what is not. So today, we have another amazing mentor, uh, speaker. Who, her name is Tanya Diamond, and she's a Tantra master who actually is a tantra lineage holder so she's going to explain to us a little bit more of what that means for anybody who doesn't know what actually that means but it's really really exciting so we are welcoming to tanya into our setting here we go hello tanya how you doing today i'm great thanks so much for having me here i'm super excited Awesome. Uh, share a little bit more about you and this whole, um, I know you're very passionate about uh, who you are, the work that you're doing, and the lineage, the commitment, uh, the integrity of the work that you're doing. Uh, so share a little bit more about you to everyone who um, is not aware. Um, yes. So a lot, of the, a lot of people have seen me recently on Facebook as passionate because I'm on a abuser takedown in the neo-tantra industry, and I'm actually very outspoken and quite emotive. <laughs> so that's that. My background is over 30, wow, what, how old am I now? Probably over 34, yeah, what, 34, 35, 35 years of tantric practitioner, and I actually learned tantra from a, an actual tantra master in India who'd carried a lineage Un, unbroken lineage for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And I'm the only Westerner and only white woman and only woman. So to carry that lineage, and they, all the men were celibate. So it's a little bit interesting to uh, come to that. It's a very long story how it happened, but um, I was tenacious and um, finally learned that devotion was the part that I was missing. And when I talk about devotion as the only way that lineage tantra actually passes over, it's about being able to be in total devotion to your guru who then devotes back to you a thousandfold. You get to learn about your own personal devotion experience and how to be in what I call true love. True love, sorry, my daughter just walked in the room. <laughs> in true love uh, with yourself and all of life. And so this is a little different than the Tantra that a lot of us know about here or hear about in the West. So I think that's really important to, stay, to say. I also teach Neo-Tantra, which is mostly what we hear about that's related to sex. The majority of classical Tantra is only 3% related to anything related to sex. Okay, so, what, so what's different? Like just for anyone who would, we have a lot of followers that always wondering Tantra. Even myself when I was in my journey of Exploring Tantra, like 22 years ago, I had like my mentors, and we studied with Gnostic Tantra because that's pretty much where we start in our in our work. And uh, but it was more of the aspect of energetic, and then my whole aspect of just remembering ancient times in Egypt and all that. But even before I start saying to the world, I do Tantra, <laughs> I had to go literally go deeper within myself and explore and align with my inner guide, with my inner system, the what actually I was exploring and going deeper. So that's a whole journey itself and so from what from what I live is more energetic than the physical stack. So if you wanna explore a little bit more for anyone who is watching right now 
and always question like, what's Tantra? What's the difference? <laughs> and why these people have pink Tantra, red Tantra, uh, oh. orange Tantra, purple Tantra? When somebody told me that they have purple Tantra, I was like, okay, I, <laughs> I have heard it all. Yeah, those aren't, yeah, those aren't the only colors too. And there's like Tantra this, Tantra that, Tantra whatever, TantraHookers.com. There's like everything now has the word Tantra in it as some type of, um, elevation, uh, mode. Um, so the Tantra that I learned, the lineage Tantra that I learned is about energy mastery, the same type of thing, but it's about really transforming, uh, your entire life. Yeah. And so sex is part of that, but it's like such a small, in fact, in this lineage that I come from, sexual energy is only used as a very beginner process because it's the most, the biggest energy we feel in our body. And as soon as you can let go of that and go to a more subtle form, you let go of that. And, and so it's not about that. Not to be confused with sexual arts, which are Kama Sutra, things like that. And there's yeah. art forms of householders to have passion for a lifetime. But the Tantra that I learned was from guys that did things like regenerated limbs, raised the dead, also mastered energy in such a way that um, I remember my master saying to me once, I said, oh, I had a Kundalini awakening. And he goes, really? He goes, so let me ask you two questions. I'm like, all right. And he goes, can you materialize matter out of thin air? And I'm like, he goes, like, can you put a sandwich in your hand right now? And can you raise the dead? And I'm like, uh, those are no. And he goes, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, you're not there. <laughs> so yes, very specific rituals in a very specific way, in a very scientific, technological manner. There was nothing left to your imagination Things were done in a specific way to prepare your body, mind, energy, yeah. Uh, yeah. physical body for this ability to expand your potential. Really, yeah. so that's to yeah. me what it's about is expanding human potential, seeing yourself as the universe is within you. Mm. And that means that you're capable, anything that you can see, feel, hear, touch, whatever, you are capable of doing in your body. So, you know, like lizards lose tails, right? So when I say things like regenerate limbs, people tune me out. They go, oh, she's crazy. But look in nature and you'll see limb regeneration. Yeah. It, yeah. It's part of the natural code that's within us all. Healing ourselves is there. Um, they're, you know, animals that hibernate in such an incredibly deep way that it would almost be like raising the dead when they come back up, right? So... Um, yeah, and it's very secretive. I mean, a lot of those old ancient Tantra rituals and they were never written about. They were only passed down from a master to a student. And it was like going to the temple doors. You know, in Kung Fu, you uh, martial arts, you go to the temple door. You're like, I want to learn martial arts. And they come rush out. They kick your butt. They throw yeah. you out back yeah. in the street. Yeah. And you show up every day for a month. And then they let you in and say, sweep the floor. All right? Mm -hmm. You might sweep the floor for years before anybody gives you the time of day. That's essentially kind of stuff that I went through to get the training that I did. Yeah. yeah. I love that because there's a lot of uh, resonance with the way that I energetic-wise remember a lot of the way that it, in, in times, even in the Amazonian times, the Egyptian times, it was that's the way that, like, the pyramid is not just a symbol going in hierarchy, but it was that aspect of, like, why you had to go through just to even go to the top, all the emotional, mental, psychological, physical, the, you know, the amorine and Persian before you even get to the teaching itself. <laughs> right. right. Because if you don't have that foundation, 
nothing can be built on not having a foundation, which is why when I hear people say, I was born tantric, I'm kind of like, well, okay, maybe you could be born in the expression, but no, you can't actually be born tantra. There's, there's, it's like being born a brain surgeon. Yes, you could be born to become a brain surgeon because you totally live and breathe the passion of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. But actually getting in there and starting to cut open people's heads is a big difference. You have to have some foundations to actually do that. And yes, and I feel like from what I'm listening and what I'm hearing and resonating is that's what most I'm, I feel resonant with you and the work and your passion, your commitment, and also your rage and your eagerness to keep the integrity of the work that is done and the, the lineage itself, not just your lineage, but even for myself, I would say more of an energetic remembering for me is that passion too that there is is such an alchemical journey to be taken seriously and I really like when I study the journey like the the mess and the 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 blurriness and the dirtiness that it can you know that it had been used to commercialize that it can like I was where I was you right now, like with this rage. I was like, <laughs> I want the, I want the restoration of the sacredness of this work is like, so, but I feel I'm so happy. We're going to go dive deep into this question, but I'm still feeling so happy because right now with everything that's happening, I feel it's our time to bring all these shadow coming to the surface and everyone yeah. who have a lineage, everybody who is remembering, everybody who is tapping into the awareness and the consciousness of the integrity of the work is stepping up. Are uh, everybody is is it's becoming together to really start co-creating some kind of like a greater version of what even even was in the past when it came to like you know passing these teachings and and uh, sharing with others. So really excited to have you here, Tanya. Thank you. Really, really awesome. excited. Thank you for everybody watching tonight. Uh, really excited for oh, all of you. <laughs> Love to every single one of you. So, so let's start with this amazing conversation of what sexual healing is. So, before we start with the questions, and stay tuned until the end, because especially if you're a practitioner or you're looking to do this work of sexual healing any level, shape, or form, uh, I invite you to stay until the end because we have really clear uh, um, questions that really going to help you to create the life and the business that you desire in this realm because it comes from a place of integrity and also from listening to other mating practitioners who are doing this for a while, for a long time, uh, and they're really passionate about sharing with you uh, how you can make it happen for yourself in a way that uh, it is good and true to you but also is safe for your client and we keep the integrity of this work. So everyone who coming into our series are sharing their perspective. So we honor and respect everyone's perspective. So if this resonates with you, we invite you to take it, to integrate it, to like it, to love it, and to even go uh, follow our practitioners and our speakers and check them out. Uh, see their work and if that doesn't resonate with you you just take it and toss it into the garbage and no harm done and bye bye to that so <laughs> so here we go so Tanya I would love to hear from you what is sexual healing well sexual healing is a relatively new uh, experience if you're talking about in the neo-tantra world which I dif- differentiate tantra and neo-tantra so it's a neo-tantra thing, sexual healing in actual lineage tantra, 
um, I cannot find any reference to uh, for, you know, long way back. It's so relatively new. And when I say new, it could even be as new as like, you know, the 12th or 13th century. So that's still old, right? But what we hear mostly about sexual healing only came about Osho in the West, this kind of, you know, 1950s, 1960s kind of movement. And most, um, mostly from people like Charles Muir and Margot Anand, people like that, really bringing this idea of G-spot massage or lingam massage as sexual healing. I love the look on your face. And I was actually, unbeknownst to me, I actually um, went, or it wasn't beknownst to me, but unbeknownst to me, I got pulled into the neo-tantra world by accident. I heard that there was a tantra certification training, and I was very curious about that since it, nothing about Tantra I knew had anything to do with that. Ended up at a Charles Muir first time, first group that he ever certified CTEs. I was in his first group. It was a nightmare. Anyway, uh, just <laughs> to say that I was pretty like this, this is not Tantra that I know, but okay. So sexual healing, as most people understand it, is the idea that you have some trauma in your body and you're going to go to somebody who's going to physically touch your body, more than likely your genitals, uh, and help you claim your body, help you claim yourself again through a set of breathwork practices, sounding and things like that. So the typical, typical healing that's taught is about arousal. So you can expect to go in and even get on the table the first go-round and learn about some breath, some about sound, and have somebody titillating you and arousing you and picking up your pleasure and bringing it down and picking it up, maybe happy ending, maybe not, and call of that sexual healing. I do believe there's healing in pleasure, so let me just say that right away. I absolutely do believe that there's healing in that. However, sexual healing that I work do has nothing to do with arousal. I am not titillating. If I'm touching anybody's body, it's not about arousal. There's no happy ending. It's not about titillating them. I'm not massaging. I'm not, you know, doing for watching my fingers here. <laughs> not doing, not doing, not doing. No, I'm not naked. Um, and my clients come in for a series of sessions that are totally coaching clothed because one of the most important things I want them to understand is I can teach you how to be your own sexual healer. Yeah. You don't actually ever need to get naked with anybody or have anybody touch you or do any of these type of things if that doesn't work for you. And if I don't know about trauma, like I'm trauma trained, if I didn't understand the body's reflex and trauma, I should have no business touching anybody at all. Yeah. So all these sessions beforehand are about breath, empowerment, about the person being able to identify and be aware of when they're triggered, what it looks like, what kind of patterns they run in their trigger, and to start that empowerment process of being able to say no, learning boundaries, all before anybody ever gets in physical contact. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even need to do that. Sometimes that's enough. I teach them some techniques. They can go home and do their own static hold, their own internal hold do their own breath work, and become empowered to be their own sexual healer. So I'm pretty adamant about self-empowerment. I love that. I am sure with you about self-empowerment. I am a, such a radical, self-responsible individual that in, invite into my life self-empowerment all the way. I love it. Thank you. So what is not sexual healing? 
Well, you know, we're talking about my version, all right? So not sexual healing is um, when your your practitioner says they are going to have sex with you and somehow their penis is their your healing modality or their uh, mouth on you is, is somehow that. So sexual healing to me, the division between sex work and sexual healing is pretty much sexual healing really is about um, not arousing people. I call that pleasure healing. If you want to go get pleasure healing, then you're going to be in the realm of a different kind of thing. So to me, definitely even in the pleasure healing, it should never be about the practitioner's agenda at all. 100% never about them. Uh, their clothes shouldn't be off unless you want them body gliding you, but their paint underwear should be on. It's not about their genitals. It's not about them getting aroused to get you aroused. Mm -hmm. uh, not about their mouth on you, oral sex, penetration, either female or male. I do have very clearly feel that about that because I think what's really important to me about sexual healing is that the container, the safety in the container that you provide is so impeccable, it cannot be broken by anything. If I'm touching, let's even say like a heterosexual woman who's never been touched except by her doctor or her lover, right? She's never been touched in reverence. And their first instinct is to try to sex me up because that's a normal response. Somebody's touching your genitals, not even doing anything, right? No motion, just hold. That that can be a response that comes through. Oh, I must perform. I must be in a sexual mode. And if I... We're not an impeccable container that had no reaction to that at all except to ask my client, bring that back to yourself, go ahead and breathe that in. If I broke a, in a minute instant of that impeccability, that's no safety. And unless you have utter safety and the client can totally relax and know that no matter what they do, that safety is there 100%. We don't have room to make mistakes as sexual healers. We just don't. That's, to me, the bottom line of when you're doing that kind of work. Your boundaries have to be solid. You have to be so impeccable in yourself that your client can totally relax and surrender to whatever they experience, not what I want them to experience. I don't want my client to feel beautiful. That would be about me. I don't want my client to feel aroused. That would be about me. I want my client to relax and surrender to whatever experience they're going to have without me interfering with them energetically, right? Or physically. Mm, thank so, you. sexual healing. Yeah, about coming home to yourself. Sexual healing is about coming home to yourself. Thank you. We have a comment from Melanie saying, that's good to know. <clears throat> Learning to be my own sexual healing without physical contact is empowering. Yeah, safety is a priority. And Pamela Mason is sharing that arousal can be healing and can be a self-loving practice. It can be a holistic healing tool, I believe, or two. Love for arousal, not to be shame. Definitely, we're not shaming arousal. 100% not shaming it. Uh, what I think I'm hearing from uh, Tanya is um, the arousal, from what I think I'm hearing in the conversation is arousal is healing. Um, it's powerful. It's a powerful uh, medicine. I would call it like sensuality. Yeah. Uh, but what I think I'm hearing clearly from you is that it is now the practitioner arousal, the one that is guiding and leading the session. And even if, because I, we have to be honest, even in massage, like as a licensed massage therapist, you know, 
client can feel arousal and can feel pleasure just by even stroking their hands. <laughs> sure. Especially so, if you're touching you know, the product, right? It doesn't have to be a sexual genital kind of like arousal, but you're still going to arouse because just the definition of arousal is your is your interaction with your environment, how you interact with the environment itself. So that is an arousing experience. Going to the beach and feeling the breeze coming to you is an arousing experience. So definitely we are not shaming um, arousal. Um, If I can clarify that. So I can take a breath and have an orgasm. I'm aroused like all the freaking time, sexually and life-wise. Somebody could stroke the back of my arm and I can have an orgasm, no problem. So arousal is awesome. I teach arousal. I want people to be in arousal. Where I'm differentiating this, and I said at the beginning, was I do believe pleasure and arousal is healing. Absolutely. And I think it's such an area where that with a practitioner that's working on you in the in the area of healing, that that needs to be separated. That's something that when you're talking about in the beginning, it's like if you come to me and you're non-orgasmic, I can actually teach you to be orgasmic actually over Skype. I actually never have to touch you. (laughs) But if you want to be touched, let's say you're like, oh, I am somebody who wants somebody to do this to me. I want to experience that. I've never experienced that. And I want to experience it at the hands of somebody else. Then that would be a bid for I want to experience that pleasure with somebody. So then they need to be able to find somebody that will provide that service. But a lot of time people who look for sexual healing don't ever get given the menu, never are told that they don't have to take their clothes off. They don't have to have somebody touch them. They don't have to do any of that. They're, they, a lot of people, when they go to sexual healing, are desperate. They're desperate. They've tried everything, and they can't find anything, and they hear that that works, and then they become at the mercy of somebody who tells them that they got to hold their penis while they're doing it, or they've got to do all these different things that they don't have to do. And this is why we're having so much confusion and abuse and issues. So, yes, I love it. Yes. It is like really how you channel the intention, how you channel your energy at the practitioner holding the container and uh, how you actually, um, like we always talk about like what intention, like what intention do yeah. we go there for it? Yeah. So, so Melanie sharing touch deprivation can trigger arousal during massage, which, yep. you know, it is important to be a healthy, grounded safety container. Way to go, Tanya. So thank you, Melanie, thank you. for your participation. So let's go with how do you know sexual healing is for you? Well, I, I think that's a great question because, like I said, there's a lot of people who are desperate to heal their sexuality. Maybe they can't orgasm, they can't make love to their husband, they can't, they don't feel aroused, the man feels like he can't really connect to his partner. There's a lot of reasons people might go to sexual healing or find sexual healing. And uh, a lot of people have already tried maybe like therapy, sex therapy, they've tried different things and they've heard about this or read about this. And so how you know sexual healing is for you is, first of all, understanding that if you're still really trauma-triggered, if your nervous system is still uncalibrated, if you are in the throes of that decalibrated abuse already, or your boundaries are poor, sexual healing, right, do not get on somebody's table as a first shot. That is a recipe for a major disaster. Because that's where things go awry. Because some people, trauma trigger is hyper-arousal. And a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> so 
you get on somebody's table who's a little dicey or even somebody who's in integrity and says, should I touch you now? Do you want that? And you're like all like, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards you feel horrible because you just cycled the abuse that you had. So I would say definitely get some, you know, personal work with your boundaries first. Learn to say no. If you can say no to your doctor, your lover, your friend, whatever, then you're probably pretty solid. And that's going to be able to make you more empowered. Um, so I would say sexual healing is for everybody. First of all, let me just say that. I think everybody can benefit from sexual healing because talking about things only goes so far. We actually need somatic experience yes. once again you can do it yourself you can totally learn how to do it yourself with 100 success i took six women on a uh, 10 women on a six-month coaching project for a book and i coached them twice a week for six months gave them some very basic even tiny little things to do around sexual healing and they came for sexual dysfunction every single one of them six months later totally sexual dysfunction gone and it wasn't because of what we were talking about. It was because of the stuff they were doing at home in between. So that's important to understand, too. But getting touch, having somebody else touch you gives another layer of the experience. Yeah. So I would love to see sexual healing legalized. I'd love to be able to see it out in the open so that people were able to go participate in it, just like getting a massage in a safe place that was had standards and ethics. So. Yeah. Beautiful. I think that we're going to get there. I think we're going to get there. <laughs> because that's why I'm doing this work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grounding the rules. I mean, I'm grounding the pave and paving the road here in Florida. Yes. And putting it ready to the world that our business is focused on emotional sector healing. So, like, that's what we're creating this for everyone um, who come and join us um, in our pad, in a journey with retreat and, and events and whatever. Um, like the foundation, that's my passion about these conversations, Tanya, because the foundation and integrity that we must hold to support this, uh, you know, catching myself every single day. I'm like, oh, I like this. I'm going to add this too. I like this because we need to create more of this centers all yeah. over the country. So, okay. so I'm with you. Uh, we go, we go. On it. So how do you know it is not for you? Well, I think I touched a little bit on that. You know it's not for you if you're still in uh, the intensity of your trauma. You know it's not for you if you know that you have poor boundaries and that you get in compromising positions, even out just in the world. You know it's not for you if um, you may not be aware. Well, you know it's not for you if your practitioner doesn't walk you through knowing what your triggers are. <laughs> you know, it can be dicey for you if you have hyperarousal and anxiety tied together, because that's a way for uh, to definitely get in trouble on the table. And um, you know, it's not for you if pushing that boundary is going to lead to more trauma than not. So, in other words, I know that when we're he when we're into our healing and our growth, we hear a lot about pushing the boundary. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot about getting uncomfortable, and I think. Get, of course, getting uncomfortable is part of pushing the boundary. But I think until you have a solid no and a solid yes, pushing boundaries should be done in very safe, kind of mundane, non-sexual, could be, you know, that kind of way. Mm. Um, and that's why I really, really promote that ability of a 30-day challenge of saying no. Like, try it with everybody. Your doctor says, open your mouth, you say no. no. <laughs> you don't even, like, and you don't say anything else about it. You don't have to, like, you know. 
Don't apologize. So your, lover, your lover says, blah, blah, blah. You just say no. Um, just feeling the discomfort and whatever, but gaining that personal empowerment, I think, is pretty important. Um, you know it's not for you, in my opinion, and this is challenging for a lot of people, if doing it breaks your agreements with other people. Mm. And this is one thing I'm getting a lot of, you know, a heat for right now because in my world, uh, it is different. You know, you do like, you know, you do massage therapy. You're not touching people's genitals. It, I think my partner go get a massage. I don't care. Like I, that's not breaking any of our agreements. Right. However, you know, kissing, touching genitals, you know, blah, blah, this kind of things in my monogamous agreement, that would be breaking an agreement if he went to sexual healing. I don't care if you use the word healing in front of it. Right. And so that might be a problem for some people and it might not be for some people, depending on their agreements. But I think that if it's healing and then you're doing something that you have to fragment, compartmentalize, be deceitful about, it's not the healing is not going to be there through and through. You have momentary pleasure or momentary healing. You got to go home and hide all that from everybody that, you know, from your partner or whatever the agreement how is that healing in the long run? Since healing is about integration, which means congruency through and through, no inflammation, no inner conflict, that's called integrity. How does one stand in that if you're doing things outside of your agreement? Yeah. So in, in my world, that would be who it would not be for is somebody who would be breaking agreements uh, depending on what the practitioner is doing. The practitioner should have a big enough skill set that you should never have to break your agreement to see them. But a question to each one. A lot of the times when we are healing ourselves, and uh, we even for relationship, because coaching relationship couples and all of yep. these things, sometimes uh, you are in relationship where the other person doesn't get the work that you do and that personal, yep. even, to, even just to a regular um, uh, transformation event. They will not want you to go because they're freaking afraid that you're going to change and you're going to leave them. Leave them. Yeah. Even if the sexual healing is, we're going to go into this question later on that maybe not, you know, may or may not generally be involved at all whatsoever. Yeah. Or just right. the preparation process, like I, my specialization is preparation process, no genital touch whatsoever. Um, a lot of people uh, decide to keep it still separated from, let's say, their spouses. Uh, the healing process because their spouses themselves may be toxic, may not, may be afraid that they change, that they live them, may feel like trigger. They don't want them because at, at, some, at some point, sometimes those who are here working and healing and transforming also with maybe are with some narcissists out there. So, so how do you, uh, how will you invite those people? to be more open because they're not going to be able to break the relationship in a spot to be able to do this work. All right. Well, so because of the way that I set the work up, meaning that I'm doing coaching sessions prior to anything else, one of the, you know, my intake, one of the things I get to find out is, you know, so do, is your partner aware that you're doing this work? What are your agreements around therapy, coaching, that type of thing. Cause that's where we start. Right. And mm -hmm. if they're like, you know, I'm doing this and my partner knows nothing about this. I go, what are your agreements in your partnership though? What are your agreements? Are your agreements that every time you go to a therapist or a coach or whatever, you have to tell them are your, what are your agreements? You can go to the doctor by yourself or they need to know what, so what, so it's really getting clear. Now let's say they say to me, well, 
it's not so much the agreement, but if my partner found out I was here, they would freak out and like, there'd be all this trauma. And I said, okay, well then we're going to deal with that first Mm -hmm. because otherwise my client's in fear while they're in trying to do transformative work. And once again, in my world, that's incongruent. If I'm teaching integration, then I have to help my clients step up to at least empower them enough to say, this is what I'm going to be doing. And it's okay that you disagree with it or whatever that is, but they have to be in conversation. If they're breaking, uh, breaking agreements that they've made in their marriage, that's a big deal. I mean, they, the repercussions for that aren't just like, oh, the person's mad. What if, what if they end up divorced, financially bankrupt? The kids are a wreck. What, I mean, homeless. People can have huge problems happen. So I think it's really behooves us as practitioners to really understand what these agreements are and what happens when they're broken. And I frequently have one partner come to me, you know, let's say like, I just want to have a better sex life. And I'm like, so what's up with your partner? And they're like, well, they're not, they're not really interested. I said, okay, so do they know you're seeking that information? Well, no. I'm like, okay, let's get straight and let's let them know. Do you want me to talk to him? What do you want to do? And so the first thing I do is help them say that and then deal with what's going on with that. Typically partners are like, all right, you want to make our life better. Okay. There are extreme cases. I mean, if somebody came in and they're like, I need to get away from somebody who's really going to kill me. Uh, you know, that's a safety issue. That's a totally different story. But that's usually not what it is. So, so what we, um, your message is more for the, uh, the level of the practitioner. So what will you say to the clients who are looking to do this work, but they're dealing yeah. with these issues? It's not easy for them. Many times we hear that, like, I just can't tell this to my wife right now, to my husband, yeah. because even though that we love each other, she's not going to understand. She has this philosophy, this background, this idea. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what will you say to them? Like, what can you well, say? I say that usually the fear of what you're saying is bigger than what's actually going on. And, and actually having a reasonable conversation really comes from understanding what your, your partner's scared of. If your partner is scared of you leaving because you transform, you can have a conversation that reassures them that actually what you're trying to do is actually heal the relationship. Mm-hmm. And this is your part in it. So there's a lot of ways to do that. I think that as practitioners, we need to have those skill sets uh, to help people do that. And I, I understand that my standard is really, you know, here or whatever it is, sideways, I don't up, down, whatever. It's different than a lot of people's that are, that are doing this work. Um, and I get that. And yet to me, once again, the most, the most important part of what I teach is integration. And so that integration's got to happen. Maybe they can't, like, talk to the person the first time. If we're just in dialogue, I'm going to be dialoguing with them how we get to that place. And so far, and I have over twenty, over 20,000 hours of coaching. That's a lot, right? Over 30 years, 20,000. I have only run into one person that absolutely it was a nightmare to deal with their, their spouse. And their spouse had something mentally wrong. So it wasn't everybody else has been able to, you know, be able to talk, be able to figure it out, be able to get some, even if it was not happiness around it, you know, it was an agreement that, okay, fine. Yeah. The portal of communication is like, I, what I can feel from you is this level of integrity and congruency that is very clear in the foundation of the, the work that you do. It is now congruent with 
the transformation itself as a whole yeah. is not doesn't go there. And I totally resonate with you. I have been in those places too. I'm like, overall, it may seem okay now, but when I'm looking at like what actually the ripple effect of all of this, it's not going to be uh, transformative. It actually is going to be more harmful. I'm not going to leave you with anything good. It's just do no be... harm. Do no yeah. harm is the first tenet, right? I'm not a doctor, but do no harm. Do no harm. My gosh. The more we compartmentalize, fragmentize, you know, fragment, disconnect, do those things like that, even if we are justified, my partner's an ass, and I need to go get healing so I can deal with the ass, sounds very just, justified. Yet when you energetically hold something in, that you're not sharing like that and it becomes a wall and this actual becomes an energetic problem that's even worse and now you're carrying the asshole and your problem and your secret and it becomes a much bigger deal. It's very hard to get clean when you're in internal conflict. Yeah, yes. So what are the levels or stages of sexual healing? To me, sexual, okay, so the levels of sexual healing as in like, uh, somebody on a table or is in uh, just my version of what this would be? Um, you know, if we have like, if there are levels in your, in your work, if you feel or should be in this community on this type yeah. of work, there should be any levels or stages of sexual okay. healing because a lot of people go from right to the end. They, they want 12th grade without going into kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. So to me, the levels are, once again, like I said, uh, people actually do coaching with me on foundational steps of personal empowerment. So the first step is helping people get into their body without just on their own, without anybody else's help, how to get back in your body when you have abandoned yourself, either from trauma or things like that. So if somebody is really traumatized and they're carrying that trigger, the first thing is to get their nervous system recalibrated. So nervous system recalibrated, uh, inhabiting the body, learning about breath and starting to have awareness through the whole body so that there's no disconnect from the body. If they're numb or, um, yeah, disconnected or if having pleasure makes them zone out or any of these things, that's, that's what we address through speaking and them doing the homework at home to empower themselves that way. So a lot of my sexual healing has to do with first empowering the client to get really clear and solid and inhabit their body because Taking them to the table just without all that means that everything's in my hands. If something goes wrong, it's all on me. If something, you know, this is like way dicier territory, harder to relax and just be in the space when I'm watching out for every single one of these things that they may or may not be aware of, right? Yes. So learning their triggers. What's their trigger pattern? What do they do? Do they disassociate? Do they get hyperarousal? Do they do this? Do they do that? When they learn that, for themselves, they can identify when they're going to that place mm -hmm. and actually have like hand signals if they can't speak. Because some people can't speak, which is why sometimes they get on the table and things happen to them and they didn't say anything. It's because it triggered their trauma response. So, you know, can teach them other ways to communicate if their trigger response is that. So I think teaching and uh, teaching them, teaching them how to do their own sexual healing work at first, it's to start at home. That's part of the foundation. And so these are the, the steps. Teaching them breath, teaching them sound, teaching them inhabiting their body, teaching them about their body, teaching them to be able to have their own pleasure, teaching them to be able to do their own sexual healing. Then from there, if they're getting on the table, then that's about that process of now having somebody else witnessing you 
holding that container of safety so that you can process anything else out of your body. And that touch, and most of the work I do is static touch, um, that touch that allows that cellular memory to process and to move out. So that, were, there were, that would be for me. I love that. I love and for everyone who's watching, um, repeat this because repeat, re-listen to this again because especially if you are a new practitioner and for some reason we're having a lot of great new practitioners in this realm. They want to get the work out there. They want to do it. They have some education, some training. They have some preparation. They have some experience and still there's confusion. So definitely, um, listening to all these amazing practitioners that have been doing this for uh for years and they have experienced it and a lot of times what i feel like uh from what i'm listening from tanya is that the experience of the things that uh make us aware as practitioners how can we make our session better the next time it's right. like i'm feeling I'm, I'm getting like the juiciness of your work at this level right now <laughs> because it's like oh man like i have like taking layers and layers and layers to to make my practice so clear and showing integrity and so so be so focused on what actually it is that i'm doing that yeah. now it seems like you are like showing it like you are revealing it to the world in a more clear way because many times Many the reason why we're doing this is because behind when you close the door, nobody knows what we do, right? Yeah, nobody well, knows. That's what makes it, what's integrity is when you do when you do the right thing when nobody's looking, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like so having these conversations in the open where everybody's yeah. coming and Tanya's coming, actually telling you how she does it, how what she's doing, how she takes you into the whole journey itself. It is so beautiful and rewarding. So, is genital work a part of sexual healing? If yes, at what stage of the process, beginning or advanced stages? I would think, so yes, definitely it can be, though it doesn't have to be, as you've heard me state, that you can be your own sexual healer for sure. Uh, teaching couples how to be their own sexual healers are awesome. It's one yeah. of my most favorite weekend workshops that I teach. Um, and... It's definitely, to me, at a later advanced stage, if you're going to be doing static hold or touching anybody's genitals at all. They, I really want somebody to have a solid no, have, be able to consent. Uh, we, we set up boundaries ahead of time, mm -hmm. and at every stage of the way, the my, my person on my table is affirming those boundaries. So, you know, I start with people draped, and they move the drape when they feel that's okay, I want to reveal more of my body. I don't just start them off there and go, okay, there you go. You know, so that per that's empowerment to them. They're saying yes to this, right? Yes to this every single step of the way. And I think that's part of sexual healing or saying no to that. And no, I'm, you know, no, I said I was going to do this, but I'm not going to. Great. I love it when they say no. That's my favorite part. I love it. Because it's like, wow, yay, way to go. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't be all eager. You don't, you're not going to miss anything special. It's okay to say no and wait. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have to just push that so hard because it's like, oh, my gosh, if I don't say yes, will I miss something great? Yeah, maybe, but you can have it next time. It's okay. It's not going away. Um, so that whole aspect of being able to to be in that kind of container, I think that, 
one of the things I love about sexual healing and why I would love to see this definitely uh, in a more safe container with some different boundaries around it and legalized is because there is something incredibly profound by a person that is in reverence to you, not acting as your lover, not mm -hmm. acting as your doctor, right? But in a state of reverence, holding that reverence space while witnessing you and having that touch, feeling that touch on of you. So to me, there is no more sacred space for me to be in than to hold that container for somebody. Yeah. That that honor and that trust is like, it makes me cry. You know, that's how I feel about that. And so I think having somebody that's holding you, that's touching you, that has, uh, you know, when most of the men I work with are soft. So, you know, having just holding the soft, the soft penis, right. While I'm looking at them in their heart, just being 100% open to their, their experience that they're having in that open space, you know, men are crying, just yeah. falling off the table because it's like, they don't, they're not, I'm not their lover. They don't need to perform. There isn't anything I'm trying to get them to do. Right. And I've had men who've had the other type of sexual healing where it's the arousal sexual healing come into me and just go, yeah, because it's a different, it's a different space. Not yeah. saying one's better or the other. I'm saying there is a different space. Yeah. So I think sexual healing is important. And I think being able to lay your hands on somebody's naked genitals, because I can do it clothed as well if that's what somebody wants, is um, has a, a, something to it that nothing else does. So I think this work is sacred, for sure. I think this work is amazing. And... That's why I'm so passionate about making sure people are safe and people understand because it's so easy for the abuse to happen in this. I love the word reverence because it, it brings to me to resonate with me because it's like having that person that say yes to the experience, that trust in, you know, like the trust in the experience. Right. I invite everybody, don't trust me, trust yourself. Trust yourself, trust the experience, don't ever trust me. <laughs> I'm a human being. Right. And I, you know, it's, it's, it, that self-empowerment right there to believe in themselves more than anything. And, and coming in that trust, uh, in the experience itself that they are co-creating with you, I'm feeling being adored and in the reverence. And it's, it's, it's one of the most amazing, profound healing experience that uh, you can hold a container for it. And yeah. like treating them like God, goddess, right? Like really, like right. how, like I, when I teach some of my workshop for divine, divine touch, it's like, how would I touch, you know, this amazing being if he was Jesus or he was Buddha or he was whoever, right? Yeah. How would I touch them? So it brings you this awareness, this consciousness, like, well, Jesus will feel everything. So I might be clean. <laughs> I right. might be like, right. thin, <laughs> you know, pure. <laughs> so having a divine, divine clarity there. Okay. So... Is having sex with a client considered sexual healing? No, we talk about the sacred prostitute or the sacred intimate partners. Um, not partner, the sacred intimate. Um, if yes, should we offer at the beginning of the journey or advanced levels? 
So I think that sex work and I think that um, erotic healing and I think all these are really valid. Um, I don't consider them sexual healing. I do consider them healing, sexually healing, which may be a little different. And I'm actually trying to uh, – I have a certification program, and people get to be an energy healer, pleasure healer, or sexual healer. I define these as different things. So um, in sexual healing, by the way, most of this is taught. So the standard industry teaches sexual healing to be pleasure-related, hands-on genitals, no oral sex, no intercourse, no kissing, no bodily fluid exchange. So I would say in sexual healing, as it's stated in most schools, as it's taught by most people, sexual intercourse has nothing to do with that. A sacred intimate, sex work, can that be healing in that regard? Most definitely. There can be healing to be had that. I think even surrogacies, licensed surrogates, don't actually have a lot of intercourse either. Like that's not that's not their you know their thing that they do. Everybody thinks oh surrogates have you know, at, you know. So um, I don't think. I mean I know for a fact that to heal you don't have to ever have intercourse. You don't have to have oral sex. You don't have to have any of these things to heal sexually and be empowered. So there's my take on that. And if the what if you were gonna be if that was something you were interested in you want to like hey I want to go explore what it feels like to have sex with a totally present person like because we're all supposed to be so present and you know awesome uh the worst sex i've ever had was actually with a uh top tantra practitioner <laughs> so just so we're saying fucking us. <laughs> it went something like this i'm laying there he's doing his thing i'm like thinking wow i think he's doing the butterfly technique now so it's three four to there he's gonna five to there he's going to that i'm like finally i'm like hey uh, excuse me and he's he was doing oral sex. He picks up and goes, yes. And I said, are you having any fun? And he goes, well, yeah, I mean, this is for you. And I'm like, well, okay, because I'm not having any fun. I'm, like, thinking this is the most unpresent, unconnected experience in my life. Like, I know what you're going to do because I read the same book. Like, I know what, you know. I go, really? Come on. We should be able to bring something much better than this. <laughs> it's bad. So I'll just say that, that, you know, I would rather have sex with somebody, what I call somebody bumbling, somebody who has no actual technique but has such earnest and such desire to connect and be present than somebody who had all the tools in the tool chest. All right. Just there it is. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. So let's say in the genital healing work, uh, should orgasm be a part of, of the experience or unexpected? Uh, once again, defining whether you're going for pleasure healing or you're going for sexual healing, even if you're non-orgasmic, um, sexual healing can, to me, be had without orgasm. I think if you are non-orgasmic and you're looking to become orgasmic, teaching somebody, having somebody teach you how to do that yourself is like way more powerful. Yes. Because otherwise you're thinking, I'm super cool. I got great techniques. So what? Doesn't really matter empowering uh, all of us to believe that we're our own best lover. Yes. Uh, so we're not reliant on a man or a woman or somebody else to be that for us, I think, is super empowering. So I would say no, shouldn't be expected, and um, that to me goes to sex work then. If the orgasm is part of the deal, then it's into the sex work realm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the aspect of the empowerment, like just be empowered to do, to experience that for yourself because 
in this realm, um, when we're talking about this layer of work, uh, sexuality especially, we had to be, like you were talking about all the ways and levels that you were, uh, you work with your clients, is also the level of attachment and, and really, you know, learning at what level of attachment they are. Are they are in avoidant? Yep. Are they are like a toxic attachment? Like what kind of attachment they have? And right. it, it, it's so fascinating to, to really be conscious of that. Um, so can sexual healing not involve uh, genital work, sexual erotic massage, copulation? I understand that you must cover, you have covered a lot of this, but we like to re-clarify yeah. these questions and also look at it from a different perspective and sure. angle. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, should 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 it include that or should it not include that? Um, can sexual healing not involve? Right. Yeah, sexual healing can completely happen over Skype with nobody getting naked, having a conversation. In fact, I would say that 90% of people I've worked with in the last 25 years, uh, just like that. So, and, you know, people who are, weren't orgasmic, who are now multi-orgasmic, people who had um, premature ejaculation who now aren't, people who had uh, problems being intimate now are, pretty much porn addiction, anything you can talk about or relate to in sexual uh, dis-ease or dysfunction or uh, in non-integration, uh, I've handled that way. Yeah. So, yes. that's, that's what I do. I do the preparation work to prepare you for a practitioner right. where they can do the touch <laughs> if it's needed. So right. this is a question, the juicy question that, I'll, that invite us to create this series of conversation with, uh, amazing speakers like Tanya, practitioner, mentors, and masters in this realm. So what are the code of ethic sexual healers should have with clients? even for those who offer sexual work as part of it? Do no harm, number one. <laughs> Do no harm. Uh, hopefully what we're working towards is allowing somebody to be in a better space when they leave us than when they showed up, or at least in a neutral space, right? Um, it should go without saying but doesn't that universal uh, sexual health precautions if you're touching somebody's body. That is, like, number one, very high on the list. And learning about understanding and learning about boundaries and consent. And really that's very high up uh, offering a full set of informed decisions and consent or information. Like you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. This one on the menu, you don't have to do any of it. Right. Cause a lot of people think they have to do something to get healed. And if you tell them that you're a professional, they're going to do whatever you say, give them the whole rundown. Yeah. That's kind of what, right. Um, taking care, number one, practitioners taking care of themselves so that you never go into a session with anybody while you're in a lack of, and I'm talking about lacking of sleep or lacking of, you know, touch or lacking of any of the things that could set you up as a practitioner to be, make a mistake, to be unbalanced, to yes. let your stuff bleed to somebody else's. Um, I'm really big on that, is that self-care and that personal health. I think that practitioners should be walking their talk. I think they should be impeccable with their word across the board um, in that way. So that would be a code of ethics for me as well. Um, informed consent to me also includes that if I were to touch somebody's genitals for money, I would tell them that what I'm doing is illegal and they are actually in a 
this is something that is considered illegal in all states or if I'm in country that it isn't. But I think informed consent, a lot of people don't know that. They'll go to a sexual healer and not realize that, hey, if you're paying somebody, even donations, that's a fancy, er, cops know that. Come on. Oh, roses. Right. Roses, donations, whatever. So the, the thing about it is, is that everybody's savvy to what that means. Um, it is illegal, unfortunately. It shouldn't be, but it is. And I want my clients to understand that. So they go in fully informed because otherwise, man, people get busted. You know, that's uncool. We both need to be okay with that. This is what we're doing. Okay. It's like if I'm going to drive 65 on a 60, I know that I can get a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um, sanitation. I mean, I hear the most horrible stories about like contrasexual healers and like, oh my gosh, what they're doing, like lack of sanitation in general with how they handle things, whether it's their equipment themselves, their clients, things like that. So that's a problem for sure. Um, Wish I had my. In fact, we're, I'm on a group right now where we're creating ethics codes of ethics that are pretty pretty intensive. And continuing education, I think anybody working with somebody that could potentially be in trauma, especially in that way, needs to have some type of education yes. around trauma. Yes, I, I mean that to me should kind of go without saying. It's like you should have some sexual sexuality training. You should have some trauma training. You should understand how the subconscious mind works. Right. So have some, you know, a little bit of brain, brain science going on there. You're actually working on a human being who is reliant on what you're doing. Uh, So pop psychologist, whatever, is not cool. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of covers it. I mean, good intake forms. Like I said, for me, integrity is also that my client's not breaking agreements and going home worse than they felt. I'm keeping clear, and um, everything is above the board, above board. that feels right to everybody. Um, yeah. Did yeah. I miss anything big? Should have had a list for that. <laughs> no, I think that you mentioned mostly all of them, and also you also, at the beginning, you talk about commitment, uh, the partnership, like communication with a partner, and making sure yeah. if if um, the partners know and things like that, which it should be part yeah. of the code of ethics to as a practitioner to know like what do you have to work with and yeah. where you yeah. found your work and to move up. I, um, I remembered something big. Don't date your clients. Uh, you know, and understanding that, so some people have the two day rule. Some people have the, you know, 24 hour rule, the four hour rule, the two month rule. So let me say something quick about chemistry. If you're intimate with somebody and this work is intimate, Right. That's the defining. It's intimate. That is the definition of it. It's not sexual. If it's not sexual, it's still intimate. Intimacy and sexuality creates dopamine levels and falling in love is very prevalent in this work. Because no, if you hold somebody in that kind of reverence, it doesn't matter if you're heterosexual, whatever are you're going to fall in love with your practitioner. Absolutely. One hundred percent going. Not if it happens. It happens now. That type of chemistry lasts for six to 18 months. So depending on how deep you've gone into the healing process, if you just coach somebody once and you didn't have your hands on them, you know, three months, probably fine. Don't date them for three months. You don't get to contact them. If they contact you, you can tell them three months, whatever. You do any type of hands-on work with this person, I think now you're looking at, I'd say, a year at least 
because you, and with no contact, no texting, no flirting, no going to get coffee, whatever, you know, you can, they're your client or they're not. And once they're not, then it's a year plus for that, depending on the type of work, how deep it's gone, how far they've gone down that experience, because their chemistry is still attached to the experience of that in you. Yes. And I want to add something to that, too. The aspect of, like, falling in love uh, is scientific proven that it also have a low uh, serotonin level, which also uh, has the same chemical blueprint as OCD. So for somebody who is, like, falling in love and they have an OCD, the chemical blueprint, it seems so identical that is like scientists are like, are you, you know, <laughs> are you OCD or are you in love? So really, well, Tanya mentioning the neuroscience behind all of this, really you have to really be so conscious about it. That's what makes this work is so powerful when you know how to hold the container uh, of right. it. So, yeah. so do you feel who are uh, clients who are looking for sexual healing from sexual trauma enroll into a process of preparation and purging before experiencing sexual touch from a qualified practitioner. I know you cover a whole bunch yeah. of it. Let's yeah. get back into more. Yeah, so it. I think having when you're when your nervous system is more calibrated and intact, you're going to have a better experience with less possibility of drama trauma or anything like that when you do this when you have this type of work done. I think that you shouldn't be ripe. It shouldn't be like you were raped last week and now you're going to a sexual healer because, man, that is some really dicey, dicey stuff, right? You need to get calibrated first. Like I said, having understanding good boundaries before you go in is great because not everybody's teaching all these things. And even if they are, it's more it's more helpful. There are foundations that if you already have in place, yeah. then the work is more powerful, more ability to be clean in the sense of, just not any mistakes or any misconceptions or things like that happening. Um, so, yes, definitely I think that having some foundational experiences work and your nervous system calibrated is definitely going to give you a much uh, deeper and better experience. Yeah, definitely. I love that you brought up this aspect of the individual to know that their nervous system is not calibrated yet to the, for them to do the work. Not many people know that. Not even, not even therapists out there. Like, you know, they just, they just grab people because of course they want to help, but right. they don't understand yeah. that there's a period, right. a period of time that there's another work that must be done. Um, right. beautiful. So how can we tell who is a qualified practitioner? Yeah, well, okay, so the majority, so let's look at the teachers teaching, first of all. So the majorities of teachers that are teaching this, um, let's take Charles Muir as, as the guy who's been doing it some of the longest, Margot Nan and Charles Muir. They'll teach, you know, 10, like three or four 10-day week, 10-day uh, experiences. Yeah, you're shaking your head because I feel the same way. So having been through it, I can tell you <laughs> that there was nobody qualified to be doing sexual healing. There were a lot of sex worker. There was a lot of fancy erotic massage and stuff that, coming out of that. But I didn't really like people came to me when the sessions were over for our workshop. I actually only got one hour sleep a night for every uh, 
time I was there because I was doing sessions all night on people who were getting traumatized by having the sessions during the day. So, okay, there's no vetting of mental health. Like, I saw sex addicts there as practitioners, people dropping drugs, uh, all sorts of just crazy stuff going on. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? Wow, and we're going to turn these people loose. Now, I see people training people into a weekend, a weekend. I just saw one of the practitioners that was in my first certification program put out a flyer that says, we're going to train you to be a doctor or a Dakini in a weekend. Holy crap. Are you kidding me? All right. So I would say that the lack of training to be working with somebody that has any trauma, not not somebody who wants to have pleasure, okay? That That's fine. They're doing plenty of that stuff. That's awesome. And if that feels healing to you, great. But if you have trauma and you're looking for healing that way, the sexual healing part of that, um, it is dicey. You need to look for a practitioner who hasn't just taken a weekend or a four day, or even some of these things that are out there. You need to, if somebody has some qualifications beyond that, like they came into it, they're a therapist, they're a massage therapist, they have some bigger qualifications than just, I went to a weekend workshop and became a Dakini, which actually, Dakini actually means uh, the defender of an oral lineage, which to me now we've made them all like be, I don't know, sex workers. To think about that. A Dakini is a Tantra master that defends the oral transmissions of lineages. All right. I don't know how it all became this, but all right. That was that. Um, and yes, I get a little up in arms about this, people. I understand. <laughs> and I'm not upset of the practitioners are don't know because they're taught by people who don't know, who's taught by people who don't know, but don't know. So it's not like they're doing anything wrong or bad. They just don't know about what's happening. So, Find somebody who feels to you like they, you know, they have a wider range of skill set. That they, when they, when they're intake, they're actually wanting to understand more about you than just, hey, come on over. You got, I got a session. Hop on my table. Let's go. Right? Unless strictly you're looking for sex work or pleasure, and that, then that's fine. And uh, ask around for sure. Unfortunately, this community is also defending abusers, mm-hmm. which to me is really kind of heinous. Uh, so it's right now when people are asking, I'm getting a lot of asks, right? So I'm doing 30 care calls a day right now for trauma. People have been traumatized by Neo-Tantra. So I'm inundated. That's why I'm so passionate, uh, by all of this right now. And sorry about the sun cutting me off. <laughs> my sun streaming through my window. Um, so ask around, check them out. If it feels weird, it probably is weird. Uh, if they're offering drugs, don't go. Uh, if they, you know, you hear that they date their clients, don't go and, uh, getting a referral from somebody that seems like they're sane is probably the best, but check them out. Feel, ask questions, ask a lot of questions. Yes. Right. Anyway. So I'm sorry. I would love to say there are some really, I've been talking to some people who I really think are solid and really feel solid, uh, in their integrity. So there are people out there for sure. So don't just, and there'll be more. There, there will be more. We are, that's what we have in this conversation to bring this awareness for a lot of, you know, we're not perfect. Not, nobody is. So all I love, yeah. what I love about all of this happening is that bringing the shadow of all of us, not just them, Shut- but the shadow <laughs> of all of us. <laughs> I don't mind, my head's in the shadow, but soon it will be in the light. 
<laughs> but it's bringing the shadow of all of us. And what I see of the maybe the learning, the harsh learning from others, I can see that and be like, hmm, let me look at what within me I may have to improve to make my work a lot more safer and a lot more in integrity. So, like, I love this because, like, I don't have to do those mistakes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you know what's really made my heart glad? I've actually been getting calls from practitioners who are asking me to vet their work. They're saying... This is what I learned. This is what I'm doing. What do you think? And I'm like, wow, well, that's freaking awesome. And this is where I feel like I'm out of integrity. What do you think? And I'm like, well, if you feel like you're out of integrity, you kind of are. You don't have to ask me about that. You, you are. But most people don't know there's a different way to do this work. So that's yes. where the big problem comes. They're like, I, I feel like I'm doing sex work, but I really want to do healing work. And I feel like there's a difference, but nobody taught me to do anything, so I don't know what to do. Yes. Um, that's part of an issue. And so if everybody's teaching this one way, then that's what you believe is that, right? Yes. That's wholeheartedly. So there's not a, it's not like you've done, like I said, something wrong or bad. You've learned from somebody who told you that's it. And some people are very successful with that doing work, arousal work is healing. Right. And other people are not feeling as successful. They're feeling like, you know, people are only coming to me to get off. Mm -hmm. And I actually am trying to do healing work. What do I do? Yes. Yes. And that's why I love this conversation, because even in my journey of like me, uh, you know, healing cancer like 20 something years ago in this holistic realm and getting into spirituality and Tantra and Kama Sutra and all that stuff, learning from like that energetic level and then coming into U.S. and then like getting into the Florida and different mindset here and uh, also, you know, being a coach has helped me so much to hold the container for so much of the work I do and have these, you know, healing modalities in different realms and and even when I was remembering things about sexual healing and energy and Tantra, it was so like, like you said, the integrity, the congruency. And, and it was so like confusing because like I want to help this way, but it doesn't feel good because I know that there's such a better way and a greater way because there's so much in this work, as Tanya had mentioned, there's so much involved in these layers of the onion that need to be addressed, like the boundaries, like, you know, the aspect of attachment, all the things that Tanya has shared to hear. All of that has to be addressed before we even go and start moving, you know, like, and even touching any kind right. of genital. So in my, in my path, you know, being a massage therapist and, and knowing the difference and like the energies and the pools and all that stuff and, and, and like playing with all of that and also even being triggered <laughs> and going to all these, all these trainings and events and retreat and tantra, whatever. It really like opened up the eye where it's like, this is now what I really feel within myself that work I want to do because right. it's just not, it, it, I'm like such into the brain. Like I loved the whole neuroscience, the emotional aspect of it, the energetic, the psychological aspect of it, the shadow that, you know, the inner aspect of it. So to me, that is so delicious and fulfilling. And then going to the somatic part of it, that once yeah. you get into, once you have that cover, whew, then I know. that's Actually, potent. 
I know my original thing that I wanted to do is become a neurosurgeon. So I have all of this interest in the brain anyway and the body and how things work. And um, I uh, spent 15 years taking my old classical Tantra lineage and developing techniques that work for today because we're not going to we're not going to put our, gu- our guts out in the Ganji River and wash them inside out anymore. It's just we're not going to do some of that stuff. And my teacher's like, you know, this stuff is awesome. People aren't doing it anymore. Uh, here you go. You take it and run. And I'm like, no, thank you. In fact, it took me 15 years to decide. I'm like, who's going to like, I, I'm a hedonist, man. I want to run around the world and do underwater videography and show jump my horses. What are you kidding me? Uh, don't give me some of that serious. But anyway, that's what happened. And so, yeah, I, uh, I'm very big into uh, how we pattern and program. Uh, in fact, one of the programs I have is hacked the evolutionary design that we had so we can be masters of change like that. So, yeah, it's important to me that if I'm working with people with trauma and patterns and things like that, that I actually know more than just here's how to massage you. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he is high. can help you to remove uh, or open up your, your heart chakra. <laughs> right. There's so right. much more. So yeah. these are deeper insights that we've been reading and because of the whole conversation that we have in. And we, I'm going to read it through and then have a few questions and then Tanya will wrap it up. Uh, answering the questions. So these are deeper insight, which we have covered a little bit of it, but we're going to get more clear on this. Okay. So, and finally, these questions are to bring awareness to practitioners and teachers of sexual healing, daikini trainings and certifications. Of the many trainings and certifications I have participated in, and I'm aware of from all the colleagues who have taken all the training from recognized sacred sexuality schools, Genital touch, massage, and the amorine is taught from the beginning of the certification training without proper pre-emotional and psychological preparation of their training. We find the certifications are offered to anyone without pre-qualifications and screening. We have witnessed re-traumatization happening because deep wounds and emotional triggers come up to the surface and these are not properly addressed and supported with practical tools during the training because of the lack of time. We have witnessed new practitioners that are doing healing work with genitals from the beginning of their practice because that's how it was taught them and they have experienced their healing. While some experienced practitioners are continuing to discuss whether sexual touch may or may not be a part of a healing session, it is not something that is offered in the first session. It may take them over 10 sessions before they experience simple conscious touch in their body not general touch yet. Should these schools offering certifications involving genital touch revaluate their curriculum and create pre-requirement for programs addressing emotional and psychological concepts and provide practical tools that can be offered in person or online before their certification training? Should these schools offer support to their new practitioners after their training create continued educational programs, and provide resources for the student to keep a high level of professionalism and integrity in this field? Should schools create an accountability system to sustain the integrity of, the, of this work? And finally, what can we as practitioners do to create the safest container of healing for our clients? So yes, 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 and <laughs> so... Uh, Yes, everything needs to be revised in the neo-tantra, and I'll use the word industry. Tantra is not an industry, but neo-tantra is definitely an industry. And the reason people are so afraid to change it 
is because it makes people a lot of money. And so there's that fear of livelihood being disrupted uh, when you tell somebody that you're not going to give them a happy ending or, you know, you're afraid that they're not really coming for healing. Yeah, they're just coming for sex work and they want it at a kind of fancier kind of experience than the regular sex work, maybe. So, yeah, right now the trainings are ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. All across the board, all of them, even ISTA, ridiculous, all ridiculous. They are <laughs> turning people loose. And, you know, people said, I've been saying this all on on, the, on my Facebook wall. I've called out Charles's school. That's probably all, a lot of the predators are coming out of there. It's horrid. Um, ISTA big problems, Margot Nons people's big problems. There's a lot of places that have big problems. So yes, schools need to reevaluate what the heck they're doing mm -hmm. unless, or just call themselves escort schools. I mean, let's just get real. We're going to teach you how to do Tantra massage. Keep it at that Tantra massage, get out the healing words, whatever Tantra massage, superior escorts. We are the best. Awesome. Fine. Good. But, but I have, I have a trigger with Tantra Massage because Tantra Massage well, is not even touch. And it's like, it I, really I, pissed me off. I understand. <laughs> I hear you. The, the appropriation come, of... They want a Tantra Massage and I can give you Tantra Massage where I'm not even touching you. And uh, it pissed me off when people say that. I know. I'm hearing you. Look, the appropriation of the word Tantra has been like, you know, totally like taken over. So I used to fight about that. I've been kicked out of 70 groups on Facebook just for saying there's a difference between Tantra and Neo-Tantra, and people are like, who are you, the Tantra police? Uh, I guess so. Anyway, yes, they need to be revised. They need to be hazed down and redone on a, on a bed of ethics to start with. The people that are teaching need to be above board ethically, and this is not the case right now. People, teachers are like having sex with their students, doing all this kind of crazy stuff, not cool. Um, we need a code of ethics. I'd love to see the division of these things so that there's a chance of licensing or a chance of actually not it being illegal. I mean, my God, wouldn't that be awesome where people could actually just go to a sexual healer oh, and yeah. you know, pay them? <laughs> right, would be great. Um, yes, continuing education, for sure. Uh, trauma training, for sure. Vetting the person so they have, you know, what their mental health is like before you turn them loose on the public, for sure. Yes, 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 and yes to all of that and how do we as practitioners the last question keep the container safer how do we become safer um really it's self-work and you can't you can't you can't trust your community to always do that like here's you know there's people right now i guess this guy named reed who reed who's public he he he's not a tantra guy but he was a sexual educator he crossed some lines he's put up an accountability page yay way to go reed um you know starting to do that kind of stuff But who are his accountability buddies? That's like what I want to know. Who's his accountability pod? Because this is the thing. I've talked to, I don't know if you know this, but in this abuse takedown, I've actually talked to predators, men that have been called out as rapists in this industry. I've actually got them on the phone and had conversations with them, long conversations, to figure out what their side of the story is. And they all tell me they have accountability people. All of them say that they have accountability tribe. All of them say that they're involved with people who check on their ethics and that they're all not perfect and they're all working on it. Well, serial rapist, sorry, that's not a mistake, right? That's not like, oh, I made a mistake. Um, so I think our accountability, our, 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 the, the, the standards, what we're held to and people that uh, at the very least our clients should be able to 
uh, write into somebody third party to say, this is what happened to me, right? We need that type of board. We need a different type of review board that isn't just monitored by practitioners who think everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so like a board of directors or some type of, you know, professionals in different industries that have some impeccability and standards. And we're actually, there's a bunch of us doing that right now. We're actually in the process of creating this experience. Um, so I'm very much in belief of that kind of thing. And so what we can do is, one, we can take care of our shit. Like, we can get healthy. Like, if we're not healthy, don't do the work. You know, you're bending rules and doing stuff like that. It's like, wow, okay. So we can be healthy. And that's the only way people are going to be safe, is if the practitioners are healthy and getting real. And if the community stops hiding abuse, do you know how many people know about all of this stuff going on? The rumors, the stories, they've been there for years and years and years. Why do we keep hiding that? Yeah. Because people are worried that people, somebody told me, well, people will be scared to go to person. I'd rather everybody was scared. I'd rather nobody went to somebody than get abused. That's where I get passionate, right? It's like, <laughs> why protect an industry when there's, we're not talking about 1%. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people being abused. So it's a big deal. Yeah, I do feel the passion and I'm like passionate like you into restoring the sacredness of this work and actually um, coming together and like really shake things up. So I'm really excited about these times because when I got into um, my channeling with one of my mentors, uh, channeling the masters and things like that, and I was like, I wasn't even coming out doing Tantra. I was just like here between myself, me and myself. <laughs> and people were coming to me. I was like, oh, I want to have a tantrum session. I'm like, uh, how, how, what? How do you know <laughs> that? I I even tell you, uh, I never share this story with anyone, but I, I tell you that be aware, everyone, be aware of people out there that they come with the bullshit that they remember or they have been priestess and priestess from Egypt or Romaria and Atlanta, Atlanta, and they, they're gonna do a special ritual with you, uh, to activate you, to make you remember you. Run away from all that shit. <laughs> most definitely, most Run definitely, away from that shit. Anybody that tells you you're gonna get a special session because they connect with you deeply and they've had a past life, whatever, yes. run away from it. Run that. away from it. Please, run away yeah. from it. <laughs> Anybody that tells you that you need to hold their genitals because that's going to activate you somehow special, run away from that. Yeah, and the special fluid is going to activate you. Uh, and it's going to awaken you, and it's going to have the full moon, and that you are the you are the goddess that come to save this planet. Fucking oh run God. away from it. <laughs> no like doubt. No doubt. So yeah. I'm just sharing because it just happened to me and I was like, what? Like, wait a minute. What? And, you, and this person wants to do this ritual on me. And I'm like, I'm a master in rituals. Like myself, like child with shamanism. And I'm like, what? This is not a ritual. Like, get away from my life. But anyway, it's yeah. like. I remember, you know, having all this, this passion, it's like, I was asking literally divine, I'm like, when are we going to restore the sacredness of Tantra and sexuality? And it was like a long conversation, but it was like, we are there, we are there, sort of like team cheers. And I'm like, I'm so excited because I feel like with you, 
with everybody else out there and everybody who's stepping up and, and asking accountability and really uh, really shaking, shaking. I'm really excited. <laughs> because nice. I'm well, like... I'm glad you can, you know, you notice I've come into the light now. So now that I'm in the light, revealed. <laughs> perfect, perfect for the ending. I, I really want to thank you very much for not being afraid of my passion. I know that you watched a video of mine that was very outspoken. I was angry. I cried. I was raging. I was very passionate about it. I appreciate so much um, that you honor that because let me tell you that Tantra, real Tantra, is not just love and light. It's like about all emotions. It's all about authenticity. It's not about spiritually bypassing and never being angry or never being anything. It's about full emotional capacity, full yes. human capacity. That encompasses yes. every single thing that we are and feel to not be put in a box and be all unicorns and puppy dogs. Yeah. So I do represent that aspect of Tantra, and so I know that's really difficult for some people to take. And I get a lot of uh, emails that are like, Tanya, Tanya, you should really work on your anger. Dude, I'm actually really funny. And I'm chill. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not angry all the time. You know, I, I tell you, and I tell everyone here, the person you see here, uh, you know, I am authentic myself, but I tell everyone who comes to me, I said, don't ever crush my shadow because she would tear you apart because I know this motherfucker. She would tell you apart and she would make you suffer. And because I know her well and I know what triggered her, I'm able to really embrace that part of my shadow, my bitch, my witch, my my cunt, every part of me, like the ugly, the assassin, the, the thief, the liar. I know my liar very well. And, and because I went with Tantra, when when we embrace the darkness and really honor the darkness, more light birth from it. So this is like you know when you actually embrace all aspect of yourself and you recognize that, you know you are much happier because it's not like you are bipolar or dissociated or anything like you recognize, you recognize the multiple parts of you because you're infinite and your emotions and your energies. Multidimensional. We are not created to be in one flat static. I mean, all you have to do is if you want to know what's truth, look at nature and you know, nature pretty well gives you what's truth. It never stays the same. Change is always happening. There's texture and everything. There's life, death, ugliness, yeah. beauty, chaos that's truth right there right there it's not all and integration integrity means you're integrated fully which means you're running on every single thing you have not just select few things that seem nice and comfortable yeah and so i appreciate that about you very much thank you and uh because i know that uh i'm rough to have on any forum because i'm so outspoken that the admins have to work extra hard <laughs> well, let me let me share something with you, Tanya, with everyone here. We learn from everyone. And yeah. your experience of being authentic and vulnerable and your rage and your courageous like ability to be who you are and be passionate about this, we need this, you know, we need this to happen. We need people out there shaking things out because we need it. Some people yeah. may be hiding. They may they maybe let you do it, right? But we need I'm okay. this, and and we need it. And it is everyone has a voice. And the moment that we start shouting everybody's voice, we actually know we're not allowing the conversation to happen 
because this mm-hmm. is a conversation. This is a conversation that we're having. We're respecting everybody's uh, point of view, perspective. And from every perspective, we're learning. And from every perspective, we actually molding something juicy and delicious, which it really gets me excited. Because awesome. what may work for you may not work for me, but hey, the intake was there. Uh, the experience, the perspective was there. I may hang it in there for a bit until I resonate with it because maybe some shit within me is not resonating and I have to check that within myself. So for everyone out there, I invite you to check in, resonate with you, great. It doesn't toss it out. If you want to hang it in there and like just keep it in there for a while until you really figure out what actually it is you or it's not you and then you just maybe make peace with it and play with it (laughs) and just work with it and... And but we're learning, and this is what I, I, I love having you here today because I'm learning from you, and everybody's learning too. And there's so much juiciness from this conversation that I didn't expect. So thank you, I appreciate you so much. Yay. Well, so thank how, you for having me. So I how, really enjoyed it. Look how, forward. I've been watching all your conversations; they're awesome. How people can find you, Tanya? Um, yeah, just Google my name. I'm all over the internet. <laughs> Um, Tanya Diamond, uh, you can find me at learningtantra.com and, uh, you can hit me up on Facebook and Tanya, T-A-N-J-A Diamond. I'm all over there, but, uh, those are the fastest ways to, uh, find me. Awesome. So we appreciate every single one of you. Uh, we had so many people show up tonight. Woo! Melanie, we had Pamela, we had, uh, Pamela Mason, Melanie, we have Evangelina, who said like great interview, good interview. We have Melanie again, she said like she's gonna rewatch the replay from Shin DiGiorno. Well, like Francine. She said great advice, self care. Um, share too many goddess, um, goodness around, um, around this work. Thank you for sharing important, important information. And Cheryl, who also was part of this conversation, say thank you, Lucy and Tanya for this dialogue. So really, really, we have a great, uh, um, many people show up tonight. So I'm really excited. So thank you again, Tanya. Thank you everyone for joining us today. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to luciagabriela.com. And if you want to learn more about a center here in Florida, Sarasota, Florida, you can go to nunaholisticretreatcenter.com where we actually specializing more into emotional and sexual healing. So thank you everyone and have a great day. Bye. Bye.